On this edition of Jerusalem Dateline, Benjamin Netanyahu receives the mandate to begin forming what he says will be a stable government. Plus, a new UN resolution takes aim at Israel's biblical heartland. And a new Palestinian terror group is on the rise. And a sobering warning from Germany. We'll also hear from award-winning singer-songwriter Joshua Aaron. All this and more on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. Israeli President Isaac Herzog officially tapped Benjamin Netanyahu to form a government on Sunday. The move paves the way for Netanyahu to return, to Israel, to return as Israel's longest-serving prime minister after the latest election gave him and his right-wing allies a clear majority in parliament. With God's help, we will do everything to make this a stable government, a successful government, a responsible government, a dedicated government that will work for the benefit of all residents of the state of Israel, without exception. Netanyahu now has six weeks to finish negotiations and form a government, which he hopes to do as soon as possible. Police in Istanbul arrested a suspect in the bombing of a popular shopping center. The blast killed at least six people and injured dozens in what Turkish officials are calling a terrorist act. They're focusing their investigation on a woman who was spotted in the area around the time of the bombing. Turkey's interior ministry blamed the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which the U.S. and Turkey consider to be a terror organization. The group has fought an insurgency in Turkey since 1984 in a bid to win more autonomy and independence. In response, Turkey has cracked down on many Kurdish activists and lawmakers. Well, a prize for terrorist organizations in their campaign against Israel. That's how Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid described a recent vote by the United Nations. The resolution accuses Israel of annexing and occupying Palestinian territory. Israel's supporters say the measure ignores history and international law. The U.N. resolution called for the International Court of Justice to address the ongoing violation by Israel of the right of the Palestinian people to self-determination from its prolonged occupation, settlement, and annexation of the Palestinian territory occupied since 1967. The resolution passed 98 to 17 with 52 abstentions, with the U.S., Australia, and Canada joining Israel in voting no. The resolution considers parts of Judea and Samaria, Israel's biblical heartland, along with East Jerusalem, where the Western Wall and Temple Mount stand, to be occupied territory. Outgoing Prime Minister Yair Lapid condemned the resolution, saying, supporting this move is a prize for terrorist organizations and the campaign against Israel. Israel's UN Ambassador Gilad Erdan blasted the resolution. By calling to involve the International Court of Justice, the Palestinians are decimating any chances of reconciliation. Erdan also tweeted Israel cannot be occupiers in their own homeland. The resolution repeatedly says Israel is under a breach of international law. But Thomas Sendell, the founder of the European Coalition for Israel, says the resolution itself ignores history and international law, established by the San Remo Resolution in 1920. What the San Remo Resolution, of course, said was that um, this is the ancestral homeland of the Jewish people, and nothing could be more Jewish than the old city of Jerusalem. And to say anything else on a UN level is a complete breach and disrespect of international law. 
Sandel finds it ironic that this year marks the 100-year anniversary of the British mandate in 1922. I think the significant part in the text, also in the San Remo Resolution, was to first time in the history of international law to make it very clear to say that there is a, a cultural, religious, and political link between the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Although at the time, the Jewish population here was a, was a minority. Uh, what would later happen is, of course, that this minority with, with new uh, uh, immigrants would rebuild this country to what it is today and everything we see uh, around us, which is a modern, modern miracle and something to be celebrated and not condemned by the United Nations. This UN resolution comes on a wave of Palestinian attacks against Israelis this year. This latest happening Tuesday in the Jewish community settlement of Ariel, where a Palestinian man killed three Israelis and wounded three others before he was shot and killed by security officers. This year, a new Palestinian terror group has emerged in the West Bank city of Nablus. They call themselves the Lion's Den. Here's an interview I did with a former Israeli intelligence official about the group's rising popularity and what it says about a Palestinian society. Avi Melamed, thanks for joining us on Jerusalem Bateline. Uh, what is this new group there in, uh, based in Nablus? They call themselves the Palestinian Lions Dead. What is this new group? Chris, hi, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's a group of a couple of dozens of uh, young uh, Palestinians. It's mostly based in the city of Nablus, in the central part of the um, West Bank, the Samaria area. And Nablus is a big Palestinian city already emerged a couple of months ago. It already has been engaged with both uh, uh, terror attacks as well as uh, exchange of fire with the, the IDF. Um, IDF uh, conducted a couple of operations, uh, eliminating some leaders of, those, of that group. The interesting thing about this group is that its members deliberately and knowingly do not identify themselves with any existing Palestinian power, namely Hamas or Fatah or the Popular Front or any other. A Palestinian group, and that's for itself is a very interesting uh, feature, uh, which Why basically is that so provides... significant. Because it reflects uh, it reflects first um, the the disappointment and disfranchise and and criticism of Palestinians over their leadership, both the major Fatah uh, that rules the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority, and Hamas that rules Gaza Strip since 2007. Hamas uh, dragged Gaza Strip to a dead end street. Uh, causing havoc and destruction and death and so on and so on. There is a lot of criticism on Hamas. Uh, Fatah is viewed by many Palestinians as corrupted and irrelevant. Uh, Fatah is now engaged in a power struggle over the um, legacy of uh, the President Mahmoud Abbas. So there is a lot of discontent and anger within the Palestinians uh, regarding uh, their, uh, their uh, leadership. And then there is another interesting thing about this group that when you see the solidarity of the people with this group, it can be only attributed to that specific issue, meaning that this group is viewed by many Palestinians as an authentic voice that actually may indicate some deep uh, current um, process that takes place within Palestinian society vis-a-vis -vis the whole issue of leadership that may result in maybe sometime down the road the emergence of a new political player within the Palestinian society. Because the Palestinian society is experiencing is a very deep crisis, uh, partly because of the story of the leadership that I mentioned before, and partly because of the growing uh, understanding that they are kind of like caught in this very sad circle where they are, on the one hand, they are very much uh, tuned to the story of the armed resistance, 
And every time there is a conflict between Israel and Gaza, you see the same picture in the first couple of days. Uh, you know, Palestinians are praising Hamas and praising Islamic Jihad. But when the, the dust settles uh, down um, and the scale of destruction and, and death are dis ex exposed, uh, then obviously the the cheering and the praising is is changed with a with a deep criticism uh, of Hamas and Islamic Jihad and so on. And the Palestinians are caught in this very sad loop. And basically, there is a growing understanding that they are doing some sort of like two step, one step forward, two step fo backwards, in the sense that they are saying, okay, we know that actually this armed struggle doesn't take us anywhere specifically, but we are still kind of like caught in that loop, even though they understand that at the end of the day. They, the, using military might or using violence or using the narrative of, um, of victimhood has a limited impact in the end of the day. With just a few seconds left, uh, Avi, what does this portend for the uh, future of Palestinian-Israeli relations? And do you see this uh, actually uh, increasing this idea of an armed struggle against Israel? Well, that's exactly what I'm kind of like trying to uh, decode, and I don't have a, an exact, exact answer. My inclination is to assume that in the end of the day, by the way, there has been recent reports that members of the group now have joined back the Palestinian Authority Armed Service or Security Services. Uh, I think that in the end of the day, that will be an, an interesting, not very significant, but an interesting landmark on the story of the Palestinian society. But I do believe that uh, we have to look at it mostly through the story of the potential emergence of a new political player within the Palestinian society, uh, maybe within this decade already. Wow. That's really challenging uh, for Israel. But Avi Melamed, thanks for joining us on Jerusalem Bateline. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, a strong warning from a thought leader in Germany about anti-Semitic trends in Germany and throughout Europe. Now, for a limited time, you can get five of CBN's critically acclaimed documentaries. Experience the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. The historic bonds between the Jewish people and the land of Israel cannot be broken. Relive the battle for Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. Jerusalem is yours forever. Discover how Israeli volunteers are changing the world. When people need us, we volunteer and we come and help. Explore the world of Israeli technological innovation. We're people of dreams. God gives us dreams. And that's really the roots, I think, of, of much of our innovation. And understand the biggest land dispute in history. Many Palestinian Arabs claim that the Jews stole Arab land. But is that the real story? This exclusive Israel DVD collection can be yours for a gift of $29.99 or more. Call now or go online to get your Israel DVD bundle, which includes streaming access. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. Experience God on a new level. Empowering the believer is what this podcast is really all about. Discover insights into scriptures. Be encouraged by inspired teaching. Everyone listening. Everyone. You can be a chosen vessel. The lesson. 
with Gordon and Ashley. What did Jesus get? Everything that the Father has. Yes. Learn more about what God has for you. The lesson on cbnfamily.com and YouTube. A leading Jewish leader in Germany is calling for all his fellow Jews to flee the German nation because of rising anti-Semitism. Paul Strand has more from Jerusalem. German Jew Simon Gorlick is calling for a mass exodus from the former Nazi nation that committed the Holocaust. Here in Jerusalem, prominent rabbi Abraham Cooper described Gorlick's feelings. It's not safe for him. He doesn't like hiding his Jewish identity in public. He's making Aliyah and he's urging all other German Jews to follow him and come to Israel. Gorlick said of Germany in a public letter, with its anti-Jewish foreign and domestic policies, the country has proven that anti-Semitism is an inseparable part of the state political ideology of this country. You can't live in this country as a Jew, and I don't want to live in this country anymore. As Europeans, we have to be worried and very concerned. Tomas Sandel fights for religious rights in Europe. I'm, I'm very sad because I know always when uh, Jewish uh, population feels that they need to leave Europe, we have troubles uh, ahead of us. Acts against Jews are up almost 30% this past year. You're seeing Jews being beaten up in the streets of Berlin uh, again. Cooper says many modern Europeans are branding the Jewish nation of Israel a place akin to Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. That 150 million Europeans believe what the Nazis did to the Jews in the 30s and 40s, the Jews are doing to the Palestinians here. That is a monstrous lie. He sees that as... Not just a yellow warning sign, but a red light. There's something wrong there, something broken. It's led Gorlick to write, I don't want to live in a country where, as a Jew, I have to hide everywhere and at all times. I don't want to live in a country where half the population sees our Israeli flag as a provocation. But they've been fed a steady diet, not just by German media, but throughout by European media. This underlying thing that... Yeah, we did a terrible thing back then, but now look at the Jews. And so if you say that Israelis are today's Nazis, would you get really upset if they're beating up some of them on the streets of the capital of today's Germany? Not necessarily. It's not a new problem. A prominent Jew in Hamburg announced in 2016, no, we are no longer safe here. Cooper believes this is just plain wrong. Germany has a historic uh, responsibility now and forever not to cause harm to Jewish people. They did enough during the Nazi era. After World War II, Germany and many of its people condemned for decades what the Nazis did in the Holocaust. Now Cooper says that condemnation seems to be slipping away in a most troubling way. Paul Strand, CBN News, Jerusalem. Up next, popular Israeli musician Joshua Aaron has touched millions with his powerful worship music. He shares an amazing family story when we come back. Names from the Old Testament are being unearthed all over the city of Jerusalem. This was amazing. Come as close as you can get to personalities that are known from the Bible. Astonishing discoveries made today. A jaw-dropping moment of Bible archaeology. This is much more than a thrill. This is actual history that took place here on the site where we sit right now. Confirm the kings and prophets of the Bible left real evidence of their lives. Right time, the right place, with the right people. 
and one of the most significant finds in recent history. Exactly as the Bible tells us happened in the days of King Hezekiah. Written in stone, kings and prophets. We have the Bible and we have archaeologists. Here in our story, it's matching. The Old Testament is a reliable history book. Get your copy today for a gift of any dollar amount. Call now or go to cbn.com slash written in stone. Hello, everyone. I am so happy we are together for one of my most favorite times of the year, Thanksgiving Day. Gizmo and friends have so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for my family, my friends. For God and all that he has created. We have resources to be able to live. And the Holy Spirit. Join the CBN Animation Club and get the Great Thanksgiving Turkey Test. Plus two copies to share with others. All for your gift of only $25. He was born in the U.S., but award-winning Israeli Messianic artist Joshua Aaron has ties to Israel that date from the 1940s. He shares his family's story and spoke with Julie Stahl about his faith and raising a young family in the Galilee. Joshua Aaron, thank you for joining us on Jerusalem Dateline. Absolutely, Julie. Thank you so much for having me here in, in Jerusalem. And you have an amazing story. It's not a story of Aliyah, but it is a story of return. Well, uh, this country is full of stories, wild stories that shouldn't have. I mean, Israel shouldn't be. Statistically, 2,000 years we were scattered, then brought back again. Never happened in the history of the world. Our families has one of those many stories. My grandmother fled the Holocaust. Her name was Ruth Epstein in the early 40s and made it to Israel. As a matter of fact, she was here in Jerusalem in 45, where she had her first child in 1945, and then moved to Haifa in 1948, where my mother, her second child, was born in January of 1948, just a couple months before Israel was reborn. And long story short, she ended up in America, where I was born many years later. <laughs> when she moved to America, she had been adopted into a separate family when my grandmother moved to Israel, she decided after her second child, because she was a single mother, she gave them both up for adoption. My mother was adopted into another Jewish family, an Orthodox couple's home. My uncle, my mom's brother, was adopted into a secular Jewish family. But my mom, she ended up at 11 years old going to America. But the story comes to completion, really, when my mom gets a call from a television show in Tel Aviv in 1998. And after 50 years, she comes onto a television show where she surprises my uncle, her brother, her real brother, after being separated for 50 years. So I sat there in the audience with my sister Shoshana, and we just watched my mother, who was an only child that we knew of until that point, and here she was with her brother. I just knew, being in Israel at that time, watch this happen before my eyes, I knew I was home and I needed to find my way back here somehow. Eventually I came here with my wife and now we have five kids and uh, settled down here in Israel in the Sea of Galilee. Wow, what a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've done a, um, a video about this, a song about this. Mostly I sing about Messiah coming back because I became a believer when I was a kid. But I wrote a song called Home with a Friend of Mine, Yehu Levi. Also a song called 
bring us back from Psalm 137 by the rivers of Babylon? How can we sing in a foreign land? And we actually sung it right here in Jerusalem, live at the Tower of David, with over 30 Holocaust survivors present. It was really special for me to take it full circle, being a grandchild of, uh, of, of a grandparent who fled the Holocaust, to come to Israel, to build my life upon the stones of those who came and, and built the foundation of Israel after coming back. I'd rather be in the Galilee. How is it living in Israel on the Sea of Galilee? Life is a little harder here, I must admit. Visiting Israel, it's amazing. But when you live here, it's a little bit difficult. It's almost, I'd say it's like living in America in the 50s or so. The Bible says two-thirds of his miracles happened in the Galilee region. So to live there is just unreal. My kids go to high school on the Sea of Galilee and elementary school on the Jordan River. Uh, so it's really surreal for us. I'm a big, avid water guy, so I love to swim in the Sea of Galilee or on my paddleboard. So for us, it's just a great place to raise kids uh, in the countryside of, of Israel. Wow, and your kids, how do they like it? They love it. They've been all around Israel, so they know where they live and they know how we fit there. And they really do feel like we fit best in the north here in, in Israel. also have a daughter, I understand, who's oh just gosh. gotten into yes. the Army. First thing you do when you grow up, you go straight to the Army. So my daughter, my only daughter out of my five children, is in the Army now, and she's doing good. Every time she's going on the bus to go back to her base, I'm like, can I drive you? Like, I want to be with her as much as I possibly can. But we're really honored to see her being a part of the Israeli Defense Forces, defending the citizens of this country. The Bible talks about the Jewish people coming back to the land. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Well, it's pretty clear just how many passages of Scripture that God was going to bring us back. And then to be alive today, to see that happen is unbelievable in the history of the world. For me, it really spurs the idea or the reality of the return of the Messiah. I believe in Jesus. We call him Yeshua. I believe he's coming back. But when he left this earth, he said, you won't see me until you welcome me back, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we were scattered, and now we're back. We're speaking the language of the Bible again. It's just a sign that the Messiah Messiah is coming. To many of my Jewish neighbors, it, he's coming for the first time. I believe he's coming for the second time. But uh, nonetheless, he's coming. He's coming. And I believe his name is Yeshua. Coming up, a friendship between a rabbi and a pastor that birthed a pro-Israel movement. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll-free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Orphans Promise is committed to loving and serving at-risk children, to helping keep families together, and to creating opportunities for strong and sustainable communities around the world. We're working in over 60 countries around the world, and with your help, we can do even more. 
There's an old African proverb I love that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. At Orphan's Promise, we want to run far so we can touch the lives of as many orphaned and vulnerable children as possible. But we don't want to go alone. We're out to change the world, one child, one family, one community at a time. Will you join us? Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel, now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day, delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. In contrast with rising anti-Semitism, here's a story we did several years ago of one organization making a point to stand with Israel, and it all began with a simple friendship more than 40 years ago. Each year, Christians United for Israel brings its members to Washington, D.C. Pastor John Hagee formed the organization to be a political advocate on behalf of the Jewish state. It's come a long way since 1981 when Pastor Hagee sought help from the Jewish community to host his first night to honor Israel. In September of 81, when he went to the Jewish community in San Antonio and agreed to represent us and get their permission to have that night to honor Israel, had there been no first night to honor Israel, there wouldn't have been a second or nor a third and there most assuredly would not have been a Christians united for Israel. So it was a very pivotal moment, and Rabbi was the man who, and the only man who could, went to the Jewish community and got their permission. So why did Rabbi Scheinberg say yes? Because I felt that Pastor was the person that would say something, do something, carry it out. He was a person of, I felt when I first met him, I was impressed with his commitment, with his zeal, with his strength, with his courage, with his knowledge. Recently, an event at Israel's foreign ministry honored Rabbi Scheinberg. Host David Nekrutman credits the rabbi for breaking down a wall between Christians and Jews. From the Jewish side to have an Orthodox rabbi say yes to an evangelical pastor, in 1981 was unheard of. Mainstream Jewish Christian relations was usually with Catholics and mainline Protestants, Reform and conservative Jews, with a handful of Orthodox rabbis in academia. But on a grassroots level, never had anything like that. And Rabbi Scheinberg changed the history of the Jewish Christian landscape as we see it today. Nekrutman says the friendship of an Orthodox rabbi and an evangelical pastor has left a rich legacy. In 1981, he said yes 
to a relationship that has lasted over 38 years, which has accomplished 37 Nights to Honor Israel at Cornerstone Church alone, but also influenced millions of Christians to do Nights to Honor Israel. He raised over $100 million for Israeli causes and Jewish causes, and it was all because a rabbi said yes. Well, sadly, Rabbi Scheinberg passed away last year. May his memory be a blessing. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.